everybody. Welcome to a new episode of DFV. I'm your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. Yes, that's Brad over there. And today we got one that um, I feel like uh, since we're towards the end of the year here, there's a newer movie that came out called The Royal Hotel that I saw, uh, an Australian uh, thriller film. I wanted to talk about it on the show, but then I also realized that it's inspired by a documentary that came out before it called Hotel Cool Guardy. So, you know, in this one, um, we're going to talk about uh, the documentary and we're also going to talk about the new film, The Royal Hotel, because uh, I think it's interesting to note, like, kind of like the differences between the two, even though they're like very similar. There's there's a difference in tone and um, in feel. Would, would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree. You, you have the documentary that is kind of following the lives of these two girls in this place. And then you have what is the Hollywood version telling of this story kind of going, Oh, these are some interesting topics that we can use to kind of spice it up a little bit and make it more interesting to a broad audience because the documentary is just a very real interpretation of what Australia is like more or less, because that's where these movies take place. And when you have the like feeling and tone of it all, Obviously, there's a lot you can do with that on like a thriller aspect, is which is what uh, yeah. the Royal Hotel, the movie based off of the documentary, goes with that route. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, man, because when I saw this film, I said, "Dude, I gotta watch this film with Brad," but I don't know what to compare it to. Then when I saw the documentary, I said, "All right, this is a perfect one to to get us started off here." Um, all right, man. So. Pretty much, dude. I, I feel like we should start with Hotel Cool Guardy. Uh, it's just by coincidence. Well, it's not by coincidence at all, but it's chronological. But I feel like to talk about the movie, we, we got to talk about the documentary that inspired it here. Yeah, we got to start with the documentary because not starting with the documentary feels like we're watching it all backwards. So yeah. I, I fully agree on this chronological ordered episode that uh, we got to start with the documentary. So Alrighty. With that, I will kick us off with uh, Hotel Cool Guardi is a documentary directed by Pete Gleason that follows the story of two Finnish girls, Stephanie and Nicolina, who find themselves in the middle of a town near a mining operation in Australia. The town itself is kind of a little bit close to civilization, but still far enough away that it feels like its own little place inside the middle of nowhere as we mm-hmm. kind of follow these two who are start working at a bar and are told you you have three months as backpackers that you'll be paid you'll have a place to sleep and you can explore around australia at your will while staying at this place and they take up the offer and find out that it's a little bit more than they had bargained for as we right. kind of find out some of the craziness that happens in this little town as well as the patrons of this bar that they have to bartend for yeah so when they first get there right you know um uh, they uh well i love how the documentary plays it right because uh initially we're, we're with the two girls the two young women that are already at the bar and uh they're, they're saying to the patrons like ah we're about to get out of here one guy's mm-hmm. like Oh, hey, fresh, fresh meat, eh? And you know, the one girl's like, Oh, you are you getting tired of us already, Eric? You know, like you you feel like, okay, maybe like if you hadn't seen 
anything before watching this movie. You're like, okay, maybe these guys are, you know, they like to crack a little jokes once in a while. But uh, then you get the manager who is a, you know, total dick who's uh, on the phone, you know, talking to the staffing agency like, well, you know, uh, they, they got to be somewhat easy on the eyes, eh? Right, you know, We can't yeah. just have two two ugly people behind here, right? Unless they know what they're doing. If they're ugly, they got to be professionals. If they're if they're cute, they can get away with do, not knowing what they're doing. Yeah. And, it, you know, he's... <laughs> it's a very misogynistic approach to it, but it, that's just how it is kind of like in that small t- city of uh, Australia. It's That's the norm there. Because even when they're coming in and everything, they put out like a sign out front in uh, chalkboard that just says the new girls arrived today. And I love when they're driving in and they see it and they're just like, oh, so like everybody knows that we're we're coming in. And the bar owner is like, yeah, it's a spectacle. Two new girls coming in. All the guys are going to be around. Right. And I, and I love how to take a step back when you're talking to like the staffing lady. She says, okay, all right, so um, we, we have this bar job. Uh, you, you know, you listen, the guys, they're, they're gentlemen, all right? You know, it's just nothing bad. And I'm like, she, she's already lying to them. She's, right. like, she's like, you know, it's nothing bad. It's just kind of like, you know, kind of like a job where you're in the middle of nowhere. You're you're just a bartender for these fellas uh, in this local mining town. Uh, they're like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll take it. Because they're not really giving them the real on what this job is. Right. Um. So anyway, uh, you know, they come in and, um, you know, the, the managers uh kind of like, uh, like, uh, OK, so here's this, here's that. And as they're going about their uh, they're starting their shift with the drinks and everything. He's like, uh, he's like, all right, all right, do that. He says, no, get it out of that bid. He's like, he, he one of the sayings they say is, oh, F me dead. Like, right. like oh, F me. Like, you know, like like when they're frustrated. And I was like, dude, this guy is a dick. Like he's not even letting them like kind of like listen. I get it. You you want a bartender that's experienced, but you gotta kind of show him the ropes. You mm-hmm. can't just throw him to the wolves. You know what I mean? Yeah, he definitely has a high expectation for these people that is mm-hmm. clearly not being met whatsoever. And especially since he knows that these are like backpackers from like overseas, they're coming here for like three months and he's just like, I expect perfection. You should know everything in and out about this bar. And it's like, calm down, dude. It, they're probably not going to know everything in and out of this bar by the end of the three months. Of course. And then um, when, when they would talk to bar, <laughs> one thing I liked is when they would talk to bar patrons throughout the film, um, they would be like, Hey, you know, we're, we're from Finland. We're finished. Oh, you, you eat seals and shit. Don't you? Yeah. Like, like what? Yeah, like every like, so, Finnish stereotype that they can think of and some that I don't even think exist. And they're just like, oh, yeah, it's Finnish. We know that. Yeah, it's like I was like, dude, I don't think these people like like some of this stuff, like as we get into it, some of it's like a little some of it's a little disturbing. Some of it is like really stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Like like, you know, you just had some characters coming in here. You had one guy. Who is ironic that he t- turned up being like the the only like one of the only decent guys there? Uh, what's his name? Can Man. Yeah, his what nickname was, his was Can Man. <laughs> yeah, Can Man. You know, he's a guy that you know would take the cans and stuff in the morning, but the, he was he was nice to the girls. You know, he was a, he was a gentleman. Um, he was kind of like the only nice guy that they came into contact with there. Um, 
But yeah, man, as we're going along here, we're uh, seeing like the poor thing that these young women got to go through. Um, on the last day of uh, the older girl shift, they're just running a mess. You know, they're they're listening to music, they're dancing on the tables and everything. And I get it; it's a bar, but it's like they're almost like like crashing the place for them to clean up in the morning. And I was right, like, that's kind of a dick move. Yeah, they're you having know. their last hurrah while it's the other girl's first day, and basically making it the most stressful day possible on them as a result because they're not working at all. The new girls are the ones working, and everybody's paying attention to the people leaving and everything, and they're kind of throwing all this stuff at the new girls, and it's like, ah, this is... It, it becomes that thing where it's like, I feel bad for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, as we're going about this here, you know, we got different moments where, um, you know, the guys... And this is their idea of a good time. It's like, yeah, well, uh, we'll take you to the lake. You know, there's a lake around here. You know, like... Uh, <laughs> It, it, like, like, oh, I was going to take him to the lake. No, I, I'll take him to the lake. You know, and it, it comes to the point where um, uh, it's somewhere in the film, Steph was said, tells one of the guys, it's like, I just, like, she wakes up the next morning like, oh, dude, I told that guy he could take me out to town. And she's like, oh, okay, why don't you just go with him? She's like, I, I don't want to. Like, I don't right. want to go with this guy. She's like, just, just do it. So the whole time she's in the car with the guy, and this guy doesn't even... That tells you some of these fellas haven't been around like like women in a while. He don't even know how to make small talk. Mm -hmm. He's like, uh, she's like, I like the car. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, the, the ex girlfriend almost took it. I like. She says, why? He says, oh, because you know she was a c word. You know, like she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Like 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 it's just like these guys are are funny. Like not funny like comedians. It's like these guys are funny. They don't know how to act around women. They're characters. That's that's the yeah. best way to put it. Is they are definitely characters because every single one of them has their own little stories. And I love when the director takes time to like talk to the bar patrons and everything like that, mm -hmm. and be like, hey, "So what is it about this town and stuff?" And it's like, "Well, you know, it's it's middle middle nowhere. You got the mining operation. You got the bar here. It's it's nice." And it's like. That's their entire lives is go to work at the mines, come to the bar and then go home. And it, you can tell that that's their lives because a lot of them live in this bar to the point that they're even telling the girls like, oh, you can get me the beer from this thing and here. And, oh, you right. should get the glasses from here. Like, I know where all this is. And I remember one of the at one point there was one person that basically was like giving him a rundown of like how to charge him for his beer for like the pricing and everything on it. And it's like, yeah, th this is their lives. This is their little town that separates them from the rest of the world. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I like how this, that's one thing about this movie. You get a great moment, kind of like a great wholesome moment. And then everything just kind of goes to shit. Oh yeah. In the, in the next moment, like there's a scene where like two of the people who work at the bar, it's an older couple. They've been married for some time. You know, they're talking like, yeah, you know, uh, we're about to have our anniversary soon. And, you know, it's a great moment. And they're like smiling and everything. And he, and then um, one guy who ends up being a real problem later, uh, he goes like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I can never get on with women. You know, like, you know, I try to talk to him, you know, try to get him a kiss. And then I got to end up fighting a boyfriend, you know. And then and then he kind of goes on this whole strange rant about how he'll he'll fight anybody and beat anybody up and. 
you know, is is this is his life. And I'm like, we just went from the sweet old couple mm-hmm. talking about how many years they've been married to this guy going on an incel rant. Right. Like it, basically going on the look at me, I'm a badass, you know, I'm the main right. character. <laughs> I was like, that's how, listen, this film is bizarre, but it's like, it's like, and it's strange because this is real life. I can't, I can't tell that any of this is staged. And I, frankly, I don't think it is, Mm-mm. especially when you look up like stories about this film. Like even the, the subjects of the film were like, yeah, this, this was real. Like these people are like this. And um, a moment that I thought was really strange, like, you know, <laughs> to say sexism exists here is, is an understatement, but <laughs> There's a, there's a moment where the guy, I think he's the one that's married. The older guy was showing him like, yeah, here are the women that used to work here beforehand. Like, here's a piece of history. Mm-hmm. And the women in the pictures are naked. And yeah. they're walking around naked serving people. And you see Lena look up at him like, uh, okay. I, I think the to- best part of that scene is it's not that he just has these pictures like on his phone or something. He has like a scrapbook. That he like right. throws onto the counter and is like, look at all these memories. Like you would look at your family cherished memories of pictures of years ago, and he's like, yeah, these are all the hotties that used to work at the bar and everything. It's like this is this is weird, but it has that like awkwardness that becomes a little bit funny with it. Of just like this is mm. so out there as a personality. And none of it comes off as fake. None of it's you going, oh, this is clearly acting up for the documentary. And, oh, these people are just trying to do something crazy so they can show up in this documentary and stuff. It's like, no, these are these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, a moment I want to uh, know. Well, before I go on, are there any, like, key moments you want to, like, like note, like, as we're going along this here? I basically... When they go on the, what was it? They went on a camping trip. Yes, 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 yes. The camping trip. Yeah, because that entire sequence was just so weird with the way that they got invited to it. And the two girls are even like, look, we can tell that they have an idea of what's going to happen here. But we're going to bring our buddy along with us from... I can't remember. He wasn't from Finland. He was another like uh, hiker friend of theirs. Yeah, he he was a friend of theirs. Um, but what I want to note before that, before that scene is like when the manager's telling them like, oh, you're going with them. Oh, make, make sure to get yourself some chains and stuff so you could, you know, tie them up so they won't do nothing to you. Oh, yeah. You know, get, get some rope so you can tie your legs together. So, you know, they they can't get any funny business in. I'm like, that is so dark and bizarre. But mm-hmm. at the strange at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, bring something. In case something <laughs> happens, bring something. He he's not wrong. You you should be bringing something. There's right. <laughs> you shouldn't trust these people. But yeah, sure. it, when they go on the trip and everything like that, it, it they obviously get drunk and everything like that. And I'm trying to remember which one of them like has the blisters all over their feet at the end of that trip. Oh man, um, uh, it wasn't was it Lena. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I, I, I know who you're talking about because it kind of like, it was Lena. It was yeah, Lena? Lena okay. Was, yeah, it's such a bizarre trip because, you know, the guy comes with them and it's kind of like hinted that he's got something for like one of them. I don't know if it's Lena or not, but I, I think he's mm-hmm. got kind of a thing for one of them. Maybe. Or maybe he's just a friend. They don't really like go into it that much. Right. But, you know, you, you see Lena 
you know, at some point they're all getting drunk and just talking or whatever. It's a strange trip. But at some point, you know, she dances with a guy, with a guy that invites them. And then, you know, they end up in the car. It's an, it's implied that they either made out or had sex or whatever. But you see the look on the guy's face where he's like, hmm. he kind of like, you know, kind of like has a little bit of a frown on his face that, that that's happening. But, you know, and you can read that scene how you will. But, you know, you you you, you uh, go with them later in the next morning where she's like, man, uh, I kind of regret what happened last night. You know, it, mm. it's, she, she's got the sunglasses on. She's looking a little hungover like, dude, I just I just regret what happened. And the straight the, the, the most saddest thing about it all is that, you know, because of what happened, you know, she, she ends up getting really sick from it. Like, um. And then that's when the film really pisses me off. I mean, a lot of things in this film piss me off, but what really pisses me off is that the the bar doesn't really have any compassion for how sick she's getting. Oh with no, the blisters she's got. Yeah, you know, Steph is all alone downstairs working and everything, and you know, they're starting to say, "Hey, Steph, you know, you know, you girls don't really smile as much." It's like, well, how can you expect them to smile, asshole? They they they're they're serving assholes here. Like, yeah. how can you expect them to smile? Yeah, I love how when they're coming in and everything, they're like, yeah, it seems like you guys just don't want to be here. It's like, yeah, obviously they don't want to be here. That's I don't think there was any question to that. They're here because it's a paycheck. It's a three month job and it gives them a place to sleep while they're backpacking through Australia. They didn't come from Finland to work at this you know, bar. This wasn't their dream job. Yeah, they're doing this for the money they're not here for any other reason so when they're like well we just don't think it's going to be a good fit with you here because you don't seem like you're really into it you don't really want to be here and it's like yeah you're, you're hitting the nail on the head buddy you you know exactly what's up right like you know when you're told that a job is kind of like you know uh less than what it is or like, you know, not as much baggage as what it is saying, hey, you know, you got some guys there. They're gentlemen, you know, but it's the only uh, bar in, in a town full of like, you know, locals who work at the mining farm uh, at the mining place. Uh, it, it's cool. You know, it's just a laid back job. And then mm-hmm. you get there in this utter hell. Of course, you're going to be like, yeah, you, you, you're hitting a nail on the head, buddy. I don't really want to be here. Uh, but I just thought the way they were let go was just so, so, so bad. Like, I, I, don't, I that really made me upset. But going before then, I want to talk about the scene that I thought was like, like scary as as uh as all hell was when the guy that kind of went on the whole incel rant earlier in the film, you know, he ends up like in their like like sleeping on their couch in their quarters in the middle of the night. Oh yeah, and Lena ha- Lena has to come in like, uh, what are you doing here? Oh hey hey you know uh, you know I just passed out and you know, um. She goes, okay, well, you know, time for you to go now. i got to go to sleep. Well, I'll sleep with you. Uh, no, no, you got to go. <laughs> like, you know, so, like, it's just such a strange, unsettling scene. It, it's a very you know, awkward scene because you know that the yeah. people filming the documentary are there in the room right. as well. So you know that she's safe to a degree. And right. But at the same time, it's such an awkward conversation that she's had where she's like, no, you had to leave. And he's just like, well, I'm allowed to sleep here. It's like, no, you're not. You can't just sleep here. You are a patron of the bar. You're not paying to stay there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible, you know, and, and the whole time I'm like, I got to ask myself, dude, what if a documentary crew wasn't here? 
Right. Like, you know, like I and I, I keep saying to myself, like these poor women, like they have to deal with this stuff. It, it's it's a very strange movie because you're a fly on the wall, but it's like you're you're a stunned fly on the wall. And um that that's a difference between, you know, watching the Royal Hotel, which we know in our mind is fiction, which right. we know in our mind is a movie, and watching this stuff in real time. Um so yeah, man, you know, just fast forwarding to uh, you know, uh poor Lena. You know, she's on the hospital bed, re- like getting the news from Steph that, yeah, we, we've we been canned. Oh, yeah. Like they like they fired us. And Can Man is the only one in there, you know, and, and you know, bless Can Man. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he actually like, you know, cared about these young women. You know, he, he thought of them as like, you know, his daughter that he hasn't really seen in a while, doesn't know where she is or, or anything like that. You know, so he he really he really cared about these women. You know, he didn't he wasn't into it for ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. He actually cared about their well being. So yeah, man. You know, at the end, you know, we got the same staffing lady talking to a new pair of girls. Like, yeah, you know, um, there's this bar. Uh, it's got these guys here. They're, they're gentlemen. Uh, would you guys mind working there for like three months? And then um, you know, we got Steph being driven off. Um, you know, uh, Lena uh, trying to. Um, come back to in the hospital and, and that's the end and then when i was reading like the credits the updates at the end i'm like lena went through hell man i think they oh, yeah. said she's blind in one eye yeah she because of her uh diabetes and the right uh blisters that she got in her foot they got infected and everything like that and it got to like her spine and it made her fully blind in one eye and like half blind in the other but at least she like found love. She left Australia and found love and everything like that. And then Steph, I think, went on to get another part-time job at a different place through mm-hmm. a different firm. Obviously, she didn't go back to the same place right. to get another job. But and I it, even at the end, it kind of goes, yeah, they both kind of wish they could come back to Australia and still visit it and see the beauty of the you know, country just without all the craziness of the, you know, the area of cool guardy. <laughs> yeah. Cause I do believe Australia is a beautiful place. This is just like, listen, any country you go to has an area that's very sketchy. Oh yeah. And like, kind of like, you know, can give a bad name towards like a larger, like not the country as a whole, but towards the state as a whole or something like that. Like, I, I'm imagining that's what this is. I, I don't think this is all of Australia. This is just this part of Australia. I, I'm willing to even bet it's not even all of this part of Australia, because this is just the people that go to the bar in Coolgardie. We we don't really explore anything outside of the bar, because guess what? The people that are going to the bar that has the girls from another country as the bartenders probably are the people that would act the exact way they act in the documentary. The mm-hmm. other people in the town, I'm not going to say are probably all perfect and everything, but I'm willing to bet that they're not like everybody else that's seen in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think this is like a, a, a microcosm of everything that happens in Australia. I think just I think it's just part of the people that's in Australia. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah, dude, this is one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. Uh, it's, it's short and sweet. You know, it's very engaging. I'd give this a high 4.5. Oh, really? I, I I like this film, man. I felt like I was a great fly on the wall watching this. Okay. This one, to me, it was 
a pretty standard documentary. It it has some interesting things, but more or less, it just kept repeating the same things with different characters going, oh, look how sexist these people are. Look at how terrible these people are. It's like, okay, is, is something else going to happen in this? Or is are we just going to keep panning to new people saying terrible things? And then the terrible bar owner and then these two poor girls. That I'm just like, I feel so sorry for them. You know, it's to me, this is a three out of five documentary. It didn't bring anything to light. It didn't spark me to have like new thoughts on things. It just kind of made me go, okay, so this place is full of sexists and everybody is basically the same kind of sexist. Yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying. Well, I would say I don't even think the film is trying to like take any type of perspective of like, you know, feminist or these people are sexist i think it's really just a fly on the wall right like i feel like the the film the document the documentary the documentarians um they're not inserting themselves in the film like some documentarians can do Mm -hmm. they're like listen this is what it is that this is what you see here what you see is what you get with these folks right yeah but this one it's for me you know Mm -hmm. it, it didn't really have anything that grabbed me and made me go oh i'm gonna remember you. this you know i'm willing to bet in about two or three weeks if you ask me about this one i'd be like yeah the, the one in australia right and, and that's about all <laughs> i'll remember <laughs> i got you i got you all right awesome all right well uh we gonna move on to the next one here and that brings us to the next film uh the royal hotel uh co-written and directed by kitty green uh, who also made uh, The Assistant. Uh, so basically, The Royal Hotel is a film uh, inspired by Hotel Cool Guardy. So it, it involves two young American backpackers. Uh, there's a running joke throughout the film where they tell people they're Canadian. Everyone loves Canadians. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, Hannah and Liv. So Hannah and Liv are traveling through Australia. You know, they're a little broke, running out of money. So they go to an employment agency, you know, similar to the, um, you know, the young ladies in Hotel Cool Guardy, uh, to, um, you know, uh, get a job at a pub, you know, in a, you know, remote outback mining town. So kind of the same spiel, like, hey, you know, it's just kind of low key, you know, you're 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 the only ones there, you know, in a, in a, in it's it's like the only bar there, you know, um, for some miles. So you're gonna run to some guys, you know, they're gentlemen. They go, yeah, all right, sure, fine. Um, so we, uh, we meet the pub owner, Billy played by Hugo Weaving, uh, you know, who also runs the place, uh, with his wife, Carol, um, who is played by, uh, Ursula Jovich, who is kind of like the, uh, the bar's chef. So, you know, we kind of learn, you know, kind of like similar to Hotel Cool Guardy that, uh, everything is not what it seems here. Only difference with this film is that being that it's a Hollywood film, it's played more, to a thriller aspect, more to like a slow burn psychological thriller type of feel, which I feel like very works very well for this film. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like Kitty Green like like has has a great kind of like you know uh, different view of things happening. And um, you know it's pretty much them just trying to like you know running into the characters here at the Royal Hotel and just you know kind of like you know dealing with like a keg that's about to explode uh, as the film goes on towards its climax. And uh, that, in a nutshell, is kind of like the Royal Hotel. So, so let me ask you this: so, like, like watching this movie from watching Hotel Cool Guardian, because I saw this film first and then learned of Hotel Cool Guardian and watched that one. So, like, what was your kind of like transition 
watching this film after the documentary. So for me, uh, when the movie begins, obviously a lot of things are very similar in the premise coming up and everything like that. And I was expecting, okay, so this is kind of going to be more of a different perspective on that story where it's actually acted out instead of it being a documentary and everything. And then we get to learn about the bar owner and everything. And somehow, you know, Hughie weaving as a bar owner, absolutely fantastic. He's great. Absolutely loved him. And he comes Mm. off as even more of a dick than the actual bar owner from the documentary that you kind of, it's a weird thing because Watching the documentary, you absolutely hate the bartender. But here with Hugo Weaving's like, you know, entertaining performances and stuff like that, you still have that hatred for him, but you kind of like love the performance so much that you're like, oh yeah, that's that's exactly the bartender. You're doing great, Hugo. Just congratulations. I'm loving this. <laughs> and that's funny. But yeah, you you definitely have more character with Hannah and Liv because no, you know nothing against the girls from the documentary and everything like that, but their mm-hmm. personalities aren't really present in the documentary aside. The yeah. documentary is more about the bar, you know, patrons and everything like that. And the For bar sure. itself is the main character. The girls just happen to be there. And for this movie, we're following the girls, their mm-hmm. focus front and center throughout the entire thing. And I really like that they decided to go that route with it because it makes mm-hmm. everything else seem so much creepier around them as you have all these bar patrons that show up, you know, they make their remarks and everything. And we see the girls like go back to their rooms and have to discuss it and be like, this is, I don't like this. This is weird. You know, these, these people, I don't trust them and everything like that, which is the real reactions they should be having in this situation. Right. You, you gain under you gain a uh, connection with the main characters. Right. right. As it builds up. And that way you become more terrified for them as the film goes on. Yeah, that's that's pretty good writing for sure. Yeah, it, it, it definitely has, you know, especially when some of the girls and everything like that, we are introduced to the previous girls from the bar and everything and they do the same party scene where they're going up you know they're yeah. dancing on the countertops and everything it's like okay you know it, it seems more tame in the movie than it did in the documentary i think i love the line. It, it does i love the line Liv says to hannah where uh she says uh hey in three months that's gonna be us oh yeah and you see the terrified look on hannah's face like uh i hope not like <laughs> like you know um but I want to say, like, this joke kind of got me. Like, this joke got me. Um, you know, when the guy says to them, hey, uh, hey, I, I want a cider, uh, Dickens. She says, what? She says, I, I want a cider. Oh, okay. He says, I want, he says, um, he says, yeah, Dickens. She's like, you want a Dickens cider? Mm-hmm. I kind of just held my face. I said, damn it, that was funny. And I think that, <laughs> you know best part about that joke is uh dickens is an actual cider brand it, it's a real thing it is it is <laughs> oh man i didn't know that I, that's why that's why i was laughing i said damn it that was clever i didn't know that was a real cider <laughs> yeah if you ever have the chance uh they have an actual commercial where it's just that joke 
you know, and it's being said by just various people and everything like that. And just <laughs> it, it's such a great commercial and everything like that. And I I don't know if they sell it here in the States or if it's just an international brand of cider. Oh, it's in Australia. Yeah, you can't you can't run a commercial like that in America. No, you, you can't. Uh, I heavily encourage anybody listening to this to look up the Dickens uh, brand of cider commercial because it is absolutely glorious in every capacity. And uh, yeah, it that is one of those jokes that I will say this movie does have some funny moments. Yeah. It, it has a lot of very creepy undertones and some very, you know, awkward moments along with it. But it does have some funny moments. Yeah, you, there are some moments where you don't you don't know whether you're supposed to laugh or not. And I feel like that's kind of the point, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a scene where uh, I think it's I think his name was Teeth. He had uh he he had crashed his car into like Billy the owner the owner's uh like RV he's like damn it Billy you're banned and then uh and then he uh, later on he goes well I mean he's not he's not banned forever we gotta make a living here <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah it's I I do like how the patrons are given a little bit more in this movie to do because yes we do have the very creepy Perry train we do have the one that's kind of seen as like a better person and everything uh, we don't really have a can man in this one though I, I was kind of sad that can man didn't really make an appearance at all yeah there is no can man um yeah yeah this I don't know. Yeah, I, I would kind of argue a little bit like the like the wife the chef is kind of can man kind of a, a little, a little bit, bit because yeah. every time that they seem to have a problem with the bar owner, he pops up and kind of just goes, yeah, or she pops up and kind of goes, no, you got to pay these girls. They they deserve their wages and everything. And it, she definitely acts as the person that is protecting these girls from everything else that's going on. But ha- not having can man just feels like a missing opportunity. <laughs> Right. And um, it does. It actually does. So the guy we have to replace, uh, you know, kind of like the 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 jackass from the documentary is a uh, Dolly. Uh, dude, uh, terrific performance by Daniel Henshaw. Um, if you haven't seen a movie called uh, Snowtown. Well, I don't blame you. It's a dark movie, but he, he, he gives a great performance in that. In like, you know, same thing with this film. But um Anyway, so Dolly is kind of like a guy that, you know, kind of keeps flirting with Hannah and uh, ha- Hannah just does not want his advances. So, you know, he kind of like gaslights her like, oh, come on, you know, you're not going to give me a little bit of a smile. You know, he um, kind of throws coins at her asking for more and more cider or more and more whatever he whatever he orders. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the scene that replaces the scene with the older couple, because in this one, it's just the older couple that walks in. You know, they order something to kind of like celebrate their anniversary. And it's, it's a sweet scene. But you could tell with him, you know, sitting right there being the usual aggressive drunk that, OK, this isn't going to end well. Right. You know, he's like, he's like, hey, give me another cider. You know, you know, he's, he's being more and more of a dick. And then uh, I don't know if it was earlier before this moment or later in this moment. But, you know, Hannah comes out one one day trying to go to the bathroom or something. And he's like upstairs in their hallway. And is way more terrifying here than in the documentary. But 
you you see him kind of like walk towards her and she kind of like runs and locks the door he's kind of like slowly knocking on it trying to open it that's a pretty that's a pretty uh shocking moment man yeah and what makes it more tense is in here there's no safety net in this movie that there's right. nothing that you know well it's not gonna go too far because in the documentary you have the crew there obviously and you're just like, there's no way the crew is just going to stand back and be like, no, no, we got to get it on the real tape. We're just going to totally let this dude assault her. But here in the movie, there's no safety net. You know, mm. she is actually in danger. So when this is all going on, you just you tense up and it's just like, uh, I, I don't want this to be how she goes, because at the same time, they're not following the script of the documentary anything could be happening in this movie they could decide to take out one of the girls or anything else happen and yeah Yeah. that that scene is just so tense yeah and i want to say like a great moment because this is how you build tension here i I love this is that at one point they go listen if you're not going to ban that guy that 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 kind of like was up in our quarters after hours then we're going to quit and then at one point you hear billy go like oh what where are you going to go, huh? There's no bus coming for, for many miles. I was like, okay, this is where it becomes a horror film. Because that's exactly right. what you say in a horror film when you're trying to leave this creepy small town. They go like, where are you going to go, huh? Yeah. And then What uh, are your options? Right. And then at some point, he gets himself in kind of like a, a, an accident. And so his um his wife has to drive him to the hospital. So she goes, uh, hey, listen, uh, I left you uh, girls some money. You know, take as much as you as you need to like reimburse yourselves, and uh, you can leave when the next bus arrives in two days. So they just left them in in, in a pub with a with a uh, a town full of unruly guys, and said, "Hey, just uh, get it how you live. We'll, mm-hmm. we, we'll, the, the next bus will be here in two days." So you're you're forcing these girls to go through forty eight hours of of whatever at this point. So I love how the film leaves like tension for that because. Um, you know, because uh, <laughs> the climax is, I, I guess it's it, it's it builds well for what it is. But I want to I want to take a step back. So the one guy, I forgot his name. Was his name Mark? Was his name Matty, uh, who kind of seemed like the kind of good guy? Uh, I believe so. Maybe, maybe. But anyway, the, the guy that. um, Oh, no, 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 no. So the guy that Hannah made out with on the um, on the cruise ship before they even got here, right? You know, he he meets up with them. He's kind of like the friend that was in the documentary kind of a little bit. Mm-hmm. They go out, they have a good camping trip. I mean, nothing wild happens on the camping trip, but, you know, when they get back, um, her friend from Sydney at some point just ends up making out with the older lady that hangs out at the bar. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's one of the most oddest scenes ever. Like, like, cause you know, she goes, uh, well, I'm going to hang out with my friend. Say, well, it looks like your friend's having fun with old, uh, I don't know her name, old Betsy over there. Mm. And she turns and he's making out with her, and, and you just see the just, you just see the like, like the just sad, confused look on Julia Garner's face, and I'm like, that's such a, that's such a comedic twist. Like, oh, he he he's being taken by her. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing too because that doesn't go anywhere beyond that joke either. Like that's right. the last time you really see him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, no. You see him again later because uh, Hannah kind of gives him the cold shoulder. I oh, forgot yeah. what the scene was, but yeah, you do see him again later. But uh, anyway, 
So, you know, they're throwing a birthday party for Liv. And, you know, Liv's getting a little drunk. And, um, you know, it uh, it comes to the point where, um, you know, uh, you know, Dolly is trying to take Liv away. You know, it's like, oh, she's injured. Let me let me go take her to uh, safety here. And, you know, Hannah is like, you know, trying to um, trying to prevent Dolly from doing that. So um, one thing I like, because this is like, because like before all of this, I think uh, it gets very chaotic at the bar, right? They mm. think people are running amok. And uh, even one bar patron says as they come in, like, uh, like it's all going to hell now, darling. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I absolutely. So it is a very like unsettling scene as well, because Liv is in the back of his truck and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, Hannah's trying to get the doors open and they're locked in. You know, you can just see Liv inside the vehicle and. Dolly's there just being like, nah, she's fine. She wants to come, you know, it, stop trying to ruin the moment and everything. And she takes something. I'm trying to remember what she grabs. I think it's just like a tire iron or something like that. And she just blasts it through the dude's like back tire in order mm-hmm. to stop his vehicle. And right after that, like, you know, Liv manages to get out of the vehicle and go back in the bar. And Dolly is just standing there looking at her like, being like, what are you going to do now? And she just then proceeds to just bash his other tire and then, and then just walks away. And it's like, oh, that is such a great moment. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That is a great moment for sure. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, so basically, you know, we're in the climax here. I love how, you know, there's like this final showdown with Dolly and then out of nowhere comes teeth, you know, crashing into Dolly's uh, car and like you know just you know beating the crap out of them but i like how this kind of was what we were before when uh teeth like you know ran into billy's uh rv and got um banned the first time mm-hmm. so uh so pretty much you know uh you know teeth comes in and then uh you know he's telling Liv like hey i beat up dolly so i i, I get you now i i win <laughs> and then, yeah. then Liv is like get out of here like you know i don't want you get out of here you know, so we're pretty much just left with them saying there's nothing left but to burn this shit all down. But, you know, they're just they're breaking all the bottles and then they burn it down. But I love the final shot. <laughs> I love the final shot where they're just walking away from like the burning Royal Hotel. And the the one older lady that was making out with Hannah's like, you know, fling or whatever. She's like, ah, ah, burn it down, burn it oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> and then the film just ends. Yeah, which I I don't know. How do you feel about that ending with them burning down the bar and everything? I mean, in real life, like, come on. But like, you know, I feel like for a movie, I was like, I thought it was fine. I okay. thought it was a nice way. I thought it was a nice place to end it. I, I imagine you didn't really like it that much. Not too much. It felt just weird that as they were leaving, like I expected them to leave and everything like that. But for them to just burn down the bar as they're leaving and everything, it, it, you got to, like, take a moment to think on that. It's like, you know, yes, Billy was a dick. But at the same time, it, he didn't need his bar to be burned down. And, it, you know, and maybe it's because I loved Hugo Weaving's performance so much that I'm like, no, Billy's bar. <laughs> uh, I didn't care about Billy. <laughs> I was, I was like, I didn't care about Billy. He, he was a dick. He was Listen, a dick. I, 
I, I looked at him as a character. Like, you know, and Hugo Weaving's performance was great. You know, so was, you know, um, Olivia Garner and Jessica Henwick. But I was like looking at the character. I'm like, maybe Billy should take a break from running a bar. Maybe this is a wake up call. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just a weird way for them to end it to me with them burning down the bar because I expected them to like run off and everything like that. But I, I guess it is a little bit of an empowering thing of like, they got to burn down the place that was destroying them emotionally these past couple of months that they were there. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, man. So when I'm looking at a, a, a film like this, I feel like, um, when I saw it before I watched the documentary, right, I, I looked at it as like a solid thriller, mm-hmm. and I, and I stand by that. I, I feel like it's it's very like you know got solid tension, uh, very well directed. I give this a solid four out of five. Yeah, I'm right there with you on this one. It is a very solid thriller, and it's a four out of five. If you like thriller movies that aren't just thrillers masquerading as horror movies, this is a very good one. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, it, it's 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 well told. It's short too. It's ninety one minutes, bro. Yeah, like, this is a short movie. I don't know if that's shorter than Hotel Cool Guardy, but like both of these films are like very like like well enclosed. That it doesn't waste your time. It gets straight to the point. Yeah, I, I believe they both run about the same. It's close to an hour and a half for each of them. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, so I guess we got a split decision here. I, I, I assume you you mesh you merge more towards Royal Hotel. I go more towards Cool Guardy. Yeah, I think the Royal Hotel just kind of plays with the characters a little bit better and everything like that. Like I get that Hotel Cool Guardy is a documentary and everything, but it, it just it's a documentary that kind of just comes and goes. It doesn't really leave any impression for any of the characters or anything. Meanwhile, the movie does a really good job of getting you invested in these girls with Hannah and Liv and everything that's going on in this bar and kind of creep keeping that kind of creepy aesthetic and that thriller momentum throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. Um, all right, man. So that's where we at with it. Uh, you know, it's a split decision here, a tie. But um, I want to head over to After Show with you because I feel like we both got to talk about a movie, uh, you know, we saw recently, man. Um, I want to talk to you about The Boy and the Heron. Ah, yes. The new movie from, uh, well, the final movie from Miyazaki. We'll see, man. He he always says that. Uh, honestly, this is the first time that he's said it. Uh, previously, it was when he was stepping away from Studio Ghibli that people were mm-hmm. like, oh, that's going to be his last movie and everything. But this is the first time he's actually come out and gone, this is my final movie, to my knowledge. Because every other time, it's always been people speculating or people going, oh, this is going to be the last one from Miyazaki because he's leaving Studio Ghibli after this. And... So we'll see at the same time, but this one might actually be his final. Hmm. Uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. Because <laughs> listen, I, I'm I'm the same way with Tarantino. He says he's done. I'm like, well, we'll see, dude. Oh yeah. We'll see. Um, but you know, absolutely, man. I, I'm just gonna cut to the chase here. Uh, boy in the Heron. Um, and you know, if you want to get into spoilers, we can. If we want to keep it spoiler free, we can. But, Let's uh, keep it spoiler a, free for this one. Gotcha. This is a beautiful movie, dude. Mm-hmm. 
I, this was a beautiful movie, man. Like I remember I went to see this film not too long ago before we're recording this. And um, I had kind of like a ticket to see it because like, um, you know, we're in FYC season and, you know, people were requesting screeners and stuff, as was I. And they were like, hey, uh, we don't have those right now. So can I just get you a ticket to like whatever theaters near you? I said, OK, fine. So the day I'm supposed to go see it, I see a screener pop up in my inbox. And if it was for a movie I didn't care about, I would just try to just watch the screener. But it was like. I kind of want to see this on the big screen. I feel mm. like I kind of need, I, I I would opt in to see this on the big screen if I already got a ticket. So I went and, uh, dude, it's just such a beautiful movie, man. Like, like this, this reminds me of why I love Studio Ghibli films. I haven't seen a lot of them, you know, but like one of, like one of my favorite ones that I grew up with was uh, My Neighbor uh, Totoro. And it just brought me back to that film, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, this movie, I got to see this one in IMAX. And okay. I don't know, did you see it in the English dub or the Japanese dub with subtitles? Uh, I did it. Uh, I did it subtitled because I that's that's the only way I can do it, really. But like, um, yeah, I did a subtitle. Did you see the one with the American voices? Yeah. So originally it was marketed as Japanese with English subtitles, but it was uh-huh. an early screening of the movie that happened, you know, a couple weeks back that it ended up being the English dub of the movie, which the dub cast that they had for it was good. So it's not like I was upset about it because it's like, oh, I probably would have watched the English dub eventually anyway. Now, instead, I'm going to end up going back and watching the Japanese dub of it at some point, just kind of catch what's a little bit different with their inflections and everything. But with this movie, yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. And the undertones of this movie, like most Miyazaki movies, there's like that little message in the background that is constantly floating until you get to the end of the movie and go, oh, that's what they were doing with that. And this one has the same thing, and it's absolutely perfect. But yeah, this movie, I will say, when you're walking into a Miyazaki movie or something from Studio Ghibli, you're expecting like a strange movie with a lot of like interesting characters and everything like that with a lot of crazy visuals and this movie doesn't disappoint on that i think my Mm. only complaint is this movie is very confusing for the first like i i'd say half to two-thirds of the movie where i mean instead of it being that adventure movie you're more going i i don't understand what's going on at all I'll say this. Um, I definitely got to give it a second watch. It was late in the night, so there were some times I kind of... And this wasn't on the movie. It was on me because I was, like, working my ass off. Uh, I was kind of, like, nodding off a little bit, but I was in it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, you know, when I was watching the movie, you know, it, I, I got to I gotta watch this again to kind of fully get what I saw. But I was really just along for the ride. I said, listen, I'm going to watch this for the animation. And like, I know like with my, um, with, with some studio Ghibli films, you kind of got to give them a second watch to fully understand what you're seeing. But, um, I was just mainly along for the ride, man. And I feel like if anyone can turn human eating parakeets into something so beautiful (laughs) on screen, I'm, I I don't need an explanation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, it's like paprika. I don't need an explanation. I'm, I, this is a beautiful, I'm just watching it. Right. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you're really paying attention and everything, you're like, okay, 
with a Miyazaki movie, there's always those undertones and you're kind of like getting that story and everything like that. And you're just like, okay, but what does this all mean? And it's just like, okay, I'm following along. There's that character. Okay. That's interesting. There's that character. Okay. I'm still not following what's going on exactly. Everything looks beautiful. Okay. I like what they're doing here. Okay. Still confused as to what's going on. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, one of those things where like the last third of the movie you finally understand everything that's going on and the tone shift of it where it becomes very serious and everything like that is like i i love that but typically with a miyazaki movie you have like howl's moving castle where it's like okay i might not know what's going on but this is a fun adventure and you forget that there's like a plot in the background and this one, the plot is so like front and center. It's hard to let that meld into the beautiful scenery. One of the main things to me, and I, I know I'm going to upset some people who listen to this, but <laughs> Spirited Away, uh, my man that's been that's been through the film throughout like two thirds of the movie, all of a sudden at the end says, hey, don't you remember me? I'm that kid you met. I'm that spirit you met long ago when you were a kid. Oh, that's who you are. And I'm like, as an audience member, you know what twist I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I know as what a, you're talking about. As an audience member, I'm like, dude, I don't know who the hell you are. You're just you're just announcing this now. Like, I, I want to be in on the on the joke here. I mean, I want to mm. be in on the revelation here. Right. And the movie just goes off to its climax. And I'm like, that was weird. You know, so I his movies kind of have that sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's a a like, little oh. bit. But at the same time, typically that revelation when it does come and everything like that you're just like oh okay that's that's nice that wraps things up and everything like that but everything up to that is like the adventure and everything and you know that comes at the end for this one that mystery is so front and center that you can't stop thinking what is going on here this doesn't make sense at all (laughs) i am so confused so so in this film i would say um I don't know how it was for for the English dub for uh, Robert Patterson's voice of the Heron, but um, mm. in in my film, you know, when the Heron first flies by, I said, "Ah, oh, man, that's beautiful." Like that must be the Heron of the film. And then when you kind of like get to know him, I was like, "This guy's kind of a dick." Like you know, like 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 the guy, the the, the person who voiced him in the original um, Japanese um, the uh, dub uh, voice, yeah, the dub. Uh, he really, uh, he really sells the asshole Heron. Oh He's yeah, like, hey kid, listen, I'm not your friend. I don't know if Robert Patterson delivered the same, but I was like, man, this this guy is really going hard on this boy. Like, he, like you know, he does. I will say that he absolutely nails the role, and you don't even hear it as Robert Patterson. You hear, you know, that character and everything. I think the only okay. two voices that really stuck out in this movie. That I was like, oh, that's so and so would be the Dave Batista and uh, Christian Bale. Those two roles, as soon as they talk, it's like, okay, that's I know who that is. But as the credits were rolling, I, some of the voice roles, I was like, there's no way that was that person. You know, there's no way that that was that voice. And even like Mark Hamill, like he is so talented as a voice actor. Oh, he's the Joker. Right. Where I forgot that he was in this movie until his voice popped up. And it was like a couple lines into the read that I like it hit and goes, oh, that's Mark Hamill. Okay. 
and then it just melts right back into the character and you're just like oh they he's too good yeah man i would say this definitely champions um see now listen i i, I know i'm gonna make some waves here but i'm, I'm telling y'all like like classic animation like this when it's done very well it can still be great into the spider verse uh or was it across the spider verse which one was it that came out this year uh, Across the F- Spider-Verse was the one that just came out. Okay, Across the Spider-Verse is great. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, great animation. Dude, I'm really thinking this was the best animated film of the year, though. Like, I I gotta give it that slight edge over Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse was amazing. And I know some people might think I'm tripping, but I, I really enjoyed the animation of this film, man. I mean, it, it engrossed me. Oh, yeah. It, but that's that's Studio Ghibli. I don't think anybody is going to be surprised that the animation coming out of Studio Ghibli is going to be some of the most beautiful, you know, transitive, inf- you know, imagery that you can have on that style and everything. Because it, it to my knowledge, this is still mostly hand drawn. You know, there is some digital work being done with it, but at mm-hmm. the very least the layouts are all hand-drawn still from Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I understand. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that's that's that type of um, filmmaking I need to watch more of, man. Like, I, I really need to watch more Studio Ghibli. I got to watch more um, Mayas, My, uh, Mayasaki. How do, I, how do you say his name? Uh, Misaki. Misaki. Uh uh, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta watch more of his films because um yeah he's he's a terrific filmmaker and uh, yeah dude I loved it I would give it I'm at four point five I gotta I gotta watch it again to give it a five but I strongly like this movie yeah I, I definitely agree with that kind of rating and everything like that for this movie because it the little bit of holdups I have with this movie being that it's just very confusing are easily washed away with everything else that's going on with how beautiful it looks, the characters, the world, and everything else that's going on. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, now that we got that out the way, we, we just had to talk about that. Uh, anything else you've watched? I mean, I've seen a few things, but like, what? Uh, anything else you've uh, taken a look at? So I started watching the Hulu series The Bear, uh, oh, okay, and right. I, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I'm only a couple episodes into it, but I, I definitely see where everybody's like coming up and going like this is a fantastic series because mm-hmm. it, it it definitely traps you into this world right away. And I'm trying to remember the name of the lead actor. I just know him as Lip from Shameless. Jeremy Allen White. Okay, he's yeah. absolutely fantastic in this. Oh yeah, he's a great actor. Oh yeah. Uh, he's yeah. also in the upcoming movie, uh, what is it, Iron Claw? I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I need to you see need, it. I, I'm you waiting. Need to see this film when this drops. I, I was surprised at how good it was because I was like, okay, it looks like a solid movie. We got Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Maura Tierney. Mm. But this film is a damn good movie. I can't oh, yeah. say much because, you know, we ain't there yet. But, dude, Iron Claw. see it that's all i got oh yeah i I plan to see that one opening weekend i i've been excited for that one for a while now 
Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, I heard the bear is good. It's on my list, man. Trust me, I just got to knock down my list. Um, but I, I will eventually get to it. I heard it's mm-hmm. a good show, though. But that that's basically it for me. Okay, okay. Yeah, awesome. I um I wanted to tell you, uh, I think we already talked about this, but I just kind of want to let the, the audience know. I'm going to write a review for it soon, but, dude, I strongly recommend going to see Poor Things. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that most of the bangers of this year are coming out in this last month because of the strike. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's just throw everything out we can before 2024 because like we, 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 we've got some great movies we got on hold here and now we can just push them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, we were in a drought of movies for so long, and yeah, it's it's starting to pick up now, you know. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, I strongly recommend it. Uh, probably, probably Emma Stone's best performance of her career, and uh, you know, we're talking about a quality actress here, mm-hmm. but uh, she she really gives a great performance, man. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is 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 great in it, and I say surprisingly because it's like probably the wildest we've ever seen him before because usually he's he he plays like like these noble characters like hulk um you know zodiac and stuff like that so this really like let's this really move this movie really lets him less let loose mm-hmm. uh the whole cast is great but yeah i strongly recommend seeing poor things okay yeah i have it on my list and everything like that but it was a questionable like do i see it in theaters or do i wait for that one to come to streaming kind of movie Oh, it's definitely a theatrical film. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely worth seeing on the big screen. Um, yeah, man. All right. Well, that uh kind of wraps up that. You know, uh, this is a great one. It's one uh, we've kind of had in, in the works for some time. But uh, yeah, y'all remember to um, you know, watch movies. Uh, you know, give your take. Uh, subscribe, of course, and uh, see you on the next one.